Welcome to this National Humanities Center podcast. I'm your host, Richard Schramm. Immigration has emerged as one of the most contentious issues in the 2016 presidential election. Is it an economic and cultural threat to the United States, or is it a source of our energy and creativity? Who should we let in? Who should we keep out? And what of the immigrants already here? Should they be allowed to stay, and if so, on what terms? Should we allow them to become citizens, or should their residence here be always, in some sense, provisional? Today we're going to explore immigration and citizenship with Kunal Parker, professor of law and Dean's Distinguished Scholar at the University of Miami. In 2014-15, he was a fellow at the National Humanities Center, where he completed Making Foreigners, Immigration and Citizenship Law in America, 1600 to 2000. In the summer of 2016, he returned to the center to lead a seminar on immigration and citizenship. Kunal, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. In the presidential campaign over the past few months, we've heard a lot of hot talk about immigration and citizenship. Is this something new in our politics? Well, discussions of immigration are not necessarily new in our politics, but what is new is the level of the animation of the discourse. And one of the things that must be said is that uh, Donald Trump, who's the presumptive nominee of the Republican Party, has made a number of significant and, it's fair to say, relatively inflammatory statements about immigration. Uh, He has not only spoken about introducing a temporary ban on the immigration of Muslims to the United States, but he's also spoken in uh, quite pejorative terms about Latino immigrants. What most people don't realize about immigration law is that immigration law went through a significant change in 1996, and as a result, the number of people being deported from the United States has shot up as a result. To give you an example, there were about 20,000, maybe a little more, immigrants deported uh, from the United States in the early 1990s. That number by the end of the, by 2010 is about 400,000 annually. This is a huge change in the number of people being deported. Its consequences for American communities, businesses, families has been enormous. So that's one thing that any, that's new. Mm-hmm. The other thing that's new is the exponential increase in the number of undocumented immigrants. So we all know that there was an amnesty in 1986, a quote-unquote amnesty in 1986, where undocumented immigrants were given the opportunity to regularize their status, but that number increased again. So we now are in a situation where uh, the estimates are sort of anywhere upwards of 10 million people, some people say around 12 million undocumented immigrants in the country, many of whom have come here as children, many of whom have been brought here by parents who didn't consent to the act of coming here and therefore can in no way legitimately be charged with having broken the law. Mm -hmm. So those, I, I would say the deportation issue and the large population of undocumented immigrants are the most significant challenges facing the country. One of the things to keep in mind with the immigration discourse that we are seeing in this presidential election is that those who demonize immigrants are always also demonizing those inside the country. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that's very significant about the discourse that we're hearing from Mr. Trump is a willingness not to demonize immigrants alone, but also to demonize those of shared ethnicities inside the country. So whenever Mr. Trump demonizes immigrants from Mexico, he's also 
perfectly capable of demonizing Mexican-Americans. Uh, and as proof of this, of course, we only have to think of his uh, statements to the effect that a Mexican-American federal judge is incapable of ruling on the Trump University case because he is, quote-unquote, Mexican. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we're witnessing, uh, certainly from Mr. Trump, is this willingness to make foreign a whole bunch of people inside the country. Right? And that is, while not new, certainly something that we haven't seen for a long time. Mm-hmm. Well, that demonization of Americans, uh, American citizens raises the issue of citizenship. I know people have uh, debated that even to the point of uh, questioning birthright citizenship. Has this issue, uh, has citizenship been a contentious issue? You know, we, we all tend to think we know what an American citizen is and it's pretty stable and it's been that way for a long time. But uh, have we debated citizenship uh, this heatedly in the past? Citizenship has been an enormously explosive issue in the past. I mean, in one, one sense, you can say that the country's civil war was fought in some part around the issue of black citizenship. Certainly, if we think of the civil war as being at least in part motivated by or driven by the Supreme Court's ruling in the Dred Scott case, which ruled that native-born African-Americans could not be citizens regardless by virtue of their race. The 14th Amendment, which constitutionalizes the birthright citizenship principle, was, of course, passed in response to the Supreme Court's Dred Scott ruling. When Mr. Trump, and Mr. Trump isn't, certain, isn't alone in this, when those who are opposed to birthright citizenship argue that it should be limited or removed, it's important to keep in mind that they're attacking a principle that has actually served to protect all kinds of Americans principally African-Americans, but also the descendants of immigrants who were born in this country. So it's going to be very hard, of course, to change the 14th Amendment um, or to reinterpret it. But it's important to realize or to keep in mind what that has done, what the 14th Amendment has meant for the citizenship of so many Americans. This debate has become so heated that cities and states uh, are passing laws uh, regarding uh, immigration and, and not so much citizenship, but immigration. Some have passed them to laws that would uh, make it easier to deport immigrants. Others have passed laws to protect immigrants. Is this new, this kind of local immigration law, is this new in our, our history? So we're witnessing something very interesting in the United States right now. And some of what we're witnessing is uh, because Congress is sort of so profoundly divided on the issue of immigration that everybody recognizes that the system is broken, but we're not seeing legislation come from Congress, right? So what you're seeing is states and cities uh, having taken the issue in their own hands, some of it, in fact, as a result of a a cooperation between federal and state authorities authorized by immigration law. Um, But there's no consensus on this issue. So we are seeing sort of anti-immigrant positions taken in some states and cities. We certainly are seeing a lot of pro-immigrant voices as well, right, as uh, witness the, the sort of emergence of the idea of sanctuary cities. On the question of whether this is new or not, it should be kept in mind that immigration until the Civil War was managed entirely at the state and local level. Mm-hmm. Right? We've seen a federal control after the Civil War, and the Supreme Court has actually been quite vociferous in 
protecting the federal monopoly over questions of immigration. What we are seeing now is a questioning of some of those old arrangements, which have led a lot of scholars to speak of the resurgence of a quote-unquote immigration federalism, mm -hmm. uh, and therefore suits like the one uh, now just being heard by the Supreme Court on, uh, between Texas and the United States. Right? But um, we'll have to see how that goes in terms of what the Supreme Court will rule. In January 2017, we're going to have a new president one way or the other. What challenges around immigration and citizenship will we face in this country in the years ahead? Well, some of the challenges that we will face are the consequence of the laws that were passed in the 1980s and 1990s. One of them I've alluded to before is the enormous uh, numbers of people being deported. Right. Mm -hmm. And so this is obviously an issue of interest to immigrant communities, but especially the Latino community. Uh, most, the, an overwhelming majority of people deported are um, immigrants of Latino descent with consequences for Latino families and communities. Uh, the other issue, of course, that the whoever the president is is going to have to deal with is the question of undocumented immigrants who are here. Um, so nobody wants a class of 12 million people that's placed in a sort of permanent underclass, mm -hmm. right? So, so there, might, there has to be some resolution. And the additional challenge will, of course, be to think about how to fix the legal immigration system itself. I mean, the United States is in an increasingly global world with manufacturing shifting to other countries. The country needs skilled labor. The country needs all kinds of people. And so one of the really difficult policy questions is how to actually calibrate the system so that it meets the needs of American um, of society and economy in the United States. So this problem is going to be with us for a long time. This problem is going to be with us for a long time. Well, Kanal, wish we could continue this discussion, but I know you've got a seminar to lead. Thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us and tune in again for another podcast from the National Humanities Center.